0: But, but I, I don't, I'm not here to re-preach the message, that's not what I'm doing, but I, but that's this one verse stuck out, out at me, and I just began to hear the Lord breathe on that, and so I just begin to lean into it, trying to hear what God was saying. Uh, this was early Wednesday morning when I woke up and after having that dream, and so i just been leaning into it, and over the last couple of days, I've just been trying to hear the voice of the Lord, and most of you know me by now. I, I'm not a topical preacher, you know I'm not going to preach all the way through the book of James Or anything like that That's just not me, I'm not saying it's wrong It's just not me, I'll do whatever I feel like the Lord leads me to do But, but I hear God In the midst of what's going on And then God birthed things out of me For that And, and I believe Our nation Is in a season I believe the church is in a season and, and, I, and I believe that the church is going to rise in the season that we're in, and I believe our nation is going to understand that there's only one king, there's only one God, there's only one Lord. And and so I just begin to work with this a little bit, and even through the night last night, just hearing what God was saying. And so I, I got a lot of scriptures I think I'm going to get to today, I think, and uh, you a lot of scriptures this morning to try to validate everything what I believe God is saying. So let's go to first Kings chapter one and I'm just going to kind of cut right into the middle. This, this is David, King David is coming to the end of his reign and uh, he's just about to die. and I'm going to just jump in to verse number five. First Kings chapter one, verse number five. Now Adoniah the son of Haggath, exalted himself saying, I will be king. So, pre- so he prepared for himself chariots of horsemen with 50 men to run before him. And his father had never crossed him at any time by asking, why have you done so? And he was also very handsome, and he was born after Absalom. He had conferred with Joab, the son of Zuriah, and with Abathar, the priest, following Adonijah, they helped him. But Zodak the priest and Benaniah the son of Jehodiah and Nathan the prophet, Shimei, Ray, <laughs> and the money <mighty> man. <laughs> I, I told y'all when I read the Bible, man, things just come. I just like Shimei A, Ray. Anyway, they were not with Adonijah, and Adonijah sacrificed sheep and oxen and fatlings by the stone of Zoholeth, which is beside in Enregel, and he invited all his brothers, the king's sons, and all the men of Judah, the king's servants, but he did not invite Nathan, the prophet, or Benaniah, the mighty man, and Solomon, his brother. Then Nathaniel spoke to Bathsheba, this was David's wife now, Bathsheba, the mother of Solomon, saying... Have have you not heard that Adonijah, the son of Haggith, has become king, and David, our Lord, does not know of it? So now come, please, let's give you counsel and save your life and the life of your son Solomon. Go at once to King David and say to him, Have you, my Lord, O King, sworn to your maidservant, saying, Surely, Solomon, your son, shall be the king after me, and he shall sit on my throne. Why then does Adoniah become king? One translation says, why then does Adoniah reign? Look with me in verse number 32. Then David said, call to me Zadok the priest, Nathan the prophet, and Benaniah the son of Jehodiah. And they came to the king's presence, and the king said to them, take with you the servants of, of your lord, and have you my son Solomon ride on my mule and bring him down to Gihon and let Zadok the priest and Nathan the prophet anoint him there as king over Israel and blow the trumpet and say long live king Solomon then you shall come up after him and you shall come and sit on my throne and be my king and be king in my place for i have appointed him to be the ruler over Israel and Judah Verse number 36, This And ben the son of Jehodiah, answered the king and said, Amen, thus saith the, thus, thus saith the Lord, or thus may, may the Lord, the Lord God, the God of my Lord, the king say, Verse number 37, And as the Lord has been with my Lord, the king, so may he also be with Solomon, and make his throne greater than the throne of my Lord, King David. I know it's a lot of reading, but, I just want to draw your attention back to verse number 13 because this is what I'm hearing. Go at once to King David and say to him, Have you not, my lord, O king, sworn to your maidservant, saying, Surely Solomon shall be your son and shall be the king? If Solomon is to be the king, then why does Adonijah reign? If Solomon is supposed to be king, How come Adoniah is king? How come Adoniah is reigning? I want to talk to you this morning on the subject that I've titled, Overcoming the Spirit of Adoniah. Overcoming the Spirit of Adoniah. Let's pray together. Father, what an amazing and awesome privilege we have in the body of Christ. To stand in the hour in which you have called us to, to be born in such a time as this, when the world is desperately needing to see a king, not an earthly king, but a king that's above all kings. And Lord, you have placed us in this moment in time because you have confidence in your people called the church. Lord, I thank you for what you're going to do in this place in the next few moments. Lord, I give you praise and glory in advance. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're the preacher and the teacher. You're the revealer of all truth. Thank you today for what you're going to do in the hearts of men and women that have gathered in this place and those that are listening and those who will be listening later. Lord, we thank you, and we give you praise for it all now. In Jesus' name I pray, and everybody together said amen, amen. And amen and amen. God bless you this morning. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. Let me just qualify a few things that I'm going to be saying to you today just so that you don't get the wrong impression. This is not a political message, so don't try to put me in that category. I'm not saying it won't fit in that category, but just don't put me in that category because I believe God's bigger than our politics. And I believe the kingdom of God is much bigger and deeper than any political party. And so I just want to help us to understand today because I want to say some things today just so, so that you'll know where probably I stand when it comes to the things of God in politics, but also more importantly where the church needs to be standing when it comes to the things of God in the earth in which we're living right now. So with that being said, Let me just start off by saying that there is a thin line between Christian nationalism and patriotism. There's a very thin line between Christian nationalism and patriotism. Let me begin also by saying that I believe that the United States is the greatest nation on the planet. I know we have a lot of flaws and there's a lot of sin in our nation. But despite of everything that's going on in our nation, I believe our nation is still the greatest nation on the planet. With saying that, I am saying to you today, I believe in our nation to the point and so much that I'm willing to die for my nation. I'm willing to give my life for my nation. And I guess because I'm willing to do that for my nation, you would call me a patriot. And rightfully so. I guess I would be labeled a patriot. I also support the right to have a strong military. I strongly believe that the laws of our nation should be built on Scripture that holds to a standard of morality and justice. I believe those things. I'm also pro-life. I am a pro-biblical marriage kind of preacher. I'm also a biblical worldview preacher. I don't preach my views. I preach God's views. Uh, my calling is not to give you my interpretation of what I believe, that are my opinion, but my job is to tell you what the saith the Lord is saying. And so that means I have a world, a biblical worldview of what the world should look like based on Scripture and not on popular opinion. Uh, and so, so, by me saying those things, that does not make me, that means that those beliefs do not make me a Christian nationalist. It don't make me a Christian nationalist. Being a patriot is noble, but the most important thing is being born again from above that serves in the kingdom of God. The greatest call in life is not to be an American the greatest call in life is to be born again and living in the kingdom of God. And so, so, with those things that I'm sharing with you, I am more committed to the advancement of the gospel than any set of policies or procedures by any party. So, I am a Christian first, I'm a Christian beyond my politics. <laughs> I'm a Christian and my first responsibility and my first allegiance is to be Christ-like. It's not to be Republican. It's not to be Democrat or independent. It's not to be white. How many How you know in this church we have a multi-ethnic church? We have a multi-ethnic. I don't like to say multi-culture because there's only one culture in this church and that's the culture of the kingdom. So we have a multi-ethnic church that's made up of many different backgrounds of people, but we have one culture, and that's the culture of the kingdom of God. So my citizenship is in heaven, but I also have a citizenship in the earth. I'm a citizen of the United States of America. Therefore, my desire is for America is that the kingdom of God will have an influence not only in this nation, But every other nation of the world so as a Christian nationalist if you if you label yourself that or you've been labeled that you have to know that a Christian nationalist will be more loyal to their country than they are to anything else but a Christian a believer in Jesus Christ is more loyal to the cause of Christ than it is to the cause of the country so, so I'm trying to qualify that, that I love my nation. I love it enough that I will lay my life down for it because I believe in my nation. So that makes me a patriot. But just because I live in this nation doesn't mean that I'm a Christian nationalist because I'm a Christian. Because at the end of the day, you have to understand that the gospel... Is not wrapped in the American flag. In fact, the American flag needs to be wrapped in the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what it needs to be. The the American flag should be wrapped in the cross of Calvary. And so so America, as we know it, as we see it, as we're living through it right now, America is in need to be saved. We have a nation that needs to repent. We are living in a nation that needs God. And I don't care how much you try to slice it up. America is not a Christian nation. It may have been founded on Christian values and Christian principles. But at the end of the day, we are not a Christian nation. So the church cannot rest in the comfort that we are a Christian nation. You were not born a Christian. You had to be reborn to be a Christian. And because, let me say it like this, because I love my nation... And because I stand for Christian values, that doesn't make me a homophobic, it doesn't make me a xenophobic, it doesn't make me a racist, it doesn't make me a bigot, it doesn't make me a fascist, and it doesn't make me an evil being. Just because I vote Democrat, don't mean I don't love God. Just because I vote Republican, don't mean I don't love my my, my fellow Democrats. And, I, and I, don't, I know you got to be tired of it, but I am tired of the rhetoric that's been purposed and portrayed on the body of Christ. Thinking that we are something that we are not. Just because I love my nation and just because I love the kingdom of God does not mean I don't love people in this nation that are different than me. I, I, I was talking to somebody not too long ago and, and we were just sharing beliefs and values. They don't think the way I think and I don't think the way they think, but it doesn't mean I don't love them. Let me, let me just break it down. Just because you voted for Biden don't mean you're an evil person. And just because you voted for Trump don't mean you're a white supremacist. We are simply a nation that lives in the part of the world that we are as a remnant in that nation that desires to see the hand of God move. We are in this world, but we are not yet fully of this world. Amen. So the battle, I'm getting to where I'm going. I'm just laying a little bit of groundwork. So the battle that is taking place in the earth right now is for authority. Who is going to be in control? Who is going to be in charge? That is the battle that is taking place right now in our land. The struggle is over who is going to be reigning. Who's going to be in control? Right now, the body of Christ is standing in what I call this space, this gap between the previous moves of God and the impending moves of God. And the body of Christ is standing, if it were, in this gap between where God did something and what God is about to do. We're standing in this gap. And in this gap, we are facing our biggest threat. It is a threat that has positioned itself into a place without permission. It's a threat that has begun to maneuver itself into a place of authority under evil mandates. And the body of Christ is standing in this gap between the previous moves of God and the impending moves of God. And in this gap, there is this enemy that's trying to exalt wrong authorities, wrong ideologies, and wrong leadership into position in order to occupy time and place. And we as a body of believers have to make up in our minds that it doesn't matter who is in the White House. What matters is who is in God's house. Because if we can ever get it right, we are not the church that is subject to governing authorities even though it may affect us, but the kingdom of God is always bigger and more powerful than any earthly ruling government that's ever been comprised together. So look with me now in, in Psalms chapter 2, verse number 1. want to show you a couple of things. Guys, can you just help me out with scriptures right there? Psalms chapter 2, uh, verse number 1. The kings, uh, why, why are the nations in an uproar? And why are the people devising a vain thing? The kings of the earth take their stand, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us, tear, or, let, let, let us tear their fetters apart and cast away their cords from us. Next verse. He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord scoffs at them, and he will speak to them in his anger. And, and terrify them in his fury, saying, But as for me, I have installed my king upon Zion, my holy mountain." You have to know today, ladies and gentlemen, that even though the earthly kings don't know how to handle what God wants to do, God will sit in the heavens and he will laugh because God is the one who puts down one and raises up another. And God sits in the heavens and he laughs at the earthly kings of this world who conspire together to think that they can put one up on God. At the end of the day, you have to know there's no one greater than God. There's no one more powerful than God. There never was and never will be. This particular psalm is the first messiatic psalm that we come to in the Bible, which moves the lesser king, which at that point in time was David, to the greater king, which he was speaking about and prophesying about, his son Jesus. The raging of the nations is in vain, and the rulers of the world are corresponding or working together to take their stand against God's anointed. You have to understand that when this was written, David, When the reason why David penned it this way, because at the height of David's power, there was no enemy that could stand before David. And any enemy that stood against David stood before or stood against David. Any enemy that came against David was literally coming against God. So, so, so David's prophesying about the coming Messiah, the anointed one. So what's true of David becomes true of us. Any enemy that stands against the Lord's anointed stands against God. So my battle is not with flesh and blood, but with principalities and powers and rulers of darkness in heavenly places. So I don't put faces on the battle that I'm fighting. I just begin to pray into the realm of the spirit until God begins to loosen the heavens and begins to shake the earth. God is never intimidated by natural events. God is never intimidated by man's doings. You have to know that God is always four or five, maybe nine or ten steps ahead of the devil. How many believe today, this will be on the screen for you, Psalm 75, that God has the power to raise one up and pull another one down? That's what he says. The Bible says promotion doesn't come from the east or the west. It comes from the Lord. Promotion comes from the Lord. And when God gets ready to promote, can't no devil in hell stop it. So historically speaking, promotion in the kingdom always comes to people who are not looking for it. Hmm. Praise the Lord. Keep on preaching, Pastor. I'm with you. Promotion in the kingdom of God is a result of daily, obe- daily obedience. Being faithful with the task that's been given to you. That's where promotion in the kingdom comes. For Elisha, it was plowing with his father's oxen. He was just being faithful in the mundane when Elijah threw his mantle on him. He was just showing up to work every single day, being faithful with what he had in his hands. How many know that the anointing only works with people who are working? <laughs> The anointing for lazy people. Moses was taking care of his father's sheep when God appeared to him at a burning bush. He was serving in another man's field because the anointing always finds you at the place of obedience. Samuel was serving in Eli's house when he heard the voice of the Lord, being faithful at doing everyday life. Just being faithful in daily obedience. David was taking care of his father's sheep on the backside of the desert when all of a sudden the call came that Samuel's here, he needs to see you. And he shows up at the party that he wasn't invited to, but the anointing knows your address. Promotion doesn't come. I'm going somewhere, don't check out on me. Promotion doesn't come by tooting your own horn. (laughs) It comes by being faithful in your place of assignment. And we got this thing going on in the body of Christ where people just think that you can get a business card and call yourself apostle or prophet or whatever. And I'm telling you, you, you might have a gift, and that don't mean you're anointed. So in our text today, I'm going somewhere, in our text today, it tells the story of David's reign that is literally coming to an end. And there's about to be a transference of power. It's about to be a transference of authority and a new order that's about to take place. And the question was, in this gap between the transference of power, Adonai steps in to the throne without permission. And the question was presented, if Solomon is to be king, then why does Adonijah reign? If Solomon is supposed to reign, why then does Adoniah step in? Because Adoniah was tooting his own horn. Adoniah was self-promoting. And at the end of the day, you have to know that people who self-promote don't last very long. Their reign don't last very long because God is always three or four, eight or nine, ten steps ahead of anything that evil powers can do. Have you ever presented the question where you said, God, I thought you said I'd be healed. Why does sickness still reign in my body? God, you said I'd be blessed. How is it that the curse is still reigning in my life? God, you said I would overcome, but how is it that my struggle keeps coming and reigning over my life? God, you said all things were possible, but how is it that the impossible keeps reigning in my life, God, you said that you would hear the cry of the righteous, but how is it that the cry of the unrighteous is being more heard than the cry of the righteous? God, you said. You ever ask God any questions like that? Y'all lying. <laughs> We've all have been to that place where we begin to question God. If Solomon is supposed to reign, then why does Adonai reign? You see, it's in this gap between the previous revelation and what now is about to become your new revelation and understanding, the wrong order has emerged to make you think that this is the way it's going to be. The wrong order has usurped places and positions of authority. That's what the devil does in your life. He usurps his places of position and authority, and he makes you think that this is the way it's always going to be. You're always going to live with that addiction. You're always going to live in that misery of a failed marriage. You're always going to live, and you just fill in the blank. It's the usurping of authority, but you have to know the usurping of authority only lasts for about a day because what God has said, what God has committed to, and what God has promised is stronger than any usurping spirit that could ever arise in your life or in the body of Christ. Christ the enemy has put his reign in place he has put his reign in the gap but don't worry (laughs) it ain't gonna last the enemy looks like he's getting the upper hand but don't worry it ain't gonna last Oh, I told you I wasn't going to be political, but I feel like you got to understand it doesn't matter what's going on in the political realm. It ain't going to last because God has a remnant of people who are crying out day and night before the throne room of heaven. And I just want to let you know that the earth is shaking under the power and the expectation of the movements of God. We had an impending move that's about to blow upon us like we have never seen. You think we've seen the moves of God, but we're about to see revival like we've never seen before. We're about to see an earth shattering move of God and it makes no difference what is being said at the White House. What makes the difference is what God is saying to his people. Why then doth Adonai reign? You gotta have the power and the fervency and the resolve that even if Adaniah is exalted, God will overpower, God will overrule the spirit of Adonaiah. First Corinthians chapter two, verse number eight. Guys, throw that up there for me, please. It says, First Corinthians chapter two, verse number eight. You got it? I'll find it. It says, the wisdom which none of this ruler rulers of this age had understood for if they had understood it they would not have crucified the Lord of glory you have to know that if the devil knew the plan of God he would have never messed with Jesus but because God is always eight or nine ten steps ahead of the devil If the rulers of this world, because they don't have the wisdom of God, you have to know that. The devil does not have the wisdom of God. Mankind does not have the wisdom of the church. If the rulers of this world would have known, they would have never messed with the principality. They would have never messed with Jesus who destroyed the principalities and the powers of darkness. They would have never put him on the cross. They would have never pushed him to the cross. Because if the devil knew what he was doing, he would have never touched it. But God in his His infinite wisdom before the foundations of the earth, the Son of God had been slain for the purchase and the price of mankind. I'm just trying to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, I don't know why you're sweating it out. I don't know why you're worried. I don't know why you're all tight because God has his people in the palm of his hands. You are the apple of his eye, and God has never lost a battle, nor has it ever been close. Push on somebody and tell them it ain't over now. It ain't over. It ain't over. I almost wanted to preach that way. I almost wanted to call it it ain't over. It ain't over. It ain't over. Fat lady, skinny lady, ugly lady. Ain't nobody sung yet. I don't know why they picking on the girls. (laughs) Adonai said, I'm going to be king. He was promoting his own agenda. He was promoting his own authority when he had none. It's the same thing that the devil did. Okay, let's go to Isaiah. Guys in the back, you can help me with that one too. Isaiah 14. Very familiar. Is this all right if I just work you through the scriptures? Because I don't want you to think I'm just preaching, just to be preaching. I'm trying to work something in our spirit today. Isaiah chapter 14, verse number 12, says it this way. Oh, how you have fallen from heaven. It's talking about Lucifer. Oh, star of the morning and sun of the dawn. You have been cut down to the earth, you who have weakened the nations. You have said in your heart, this is Lucifer. He has said in his heart that I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God and I will sit on the mount of the assembly and in the recesses of the north. This is the words of of Satan. He said, I will ascend above the heights of the clouds and I will make myself like the most high. Self-promoting, self-promoting, no authority, just saying, I'm going to do it. God had a response. Nevertheless, you will be thrust down the shield to the recesses of the pit. Those who see you will gaze at you, and they will ponder over you, saying, Is this the man who made the earth tremble? Is this the man who shook the kingdoms, who made the world like a wilderness? Is this the man who overthrew cities, who did not allow his prisoners To go home, can I tell you, ladies and gentlemen, when we finally see the physical evidence of Satan, we're going to ponder, we're going to gaze at him, we're going to say, this is what overthrew the nations of the world, this is what kept us in captivity, this is the man that locked us down. You have to know anything that's self-promoting is short-lived because God knows how to bring one up and bring another one down and when you get to the end of every, that's why the, 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 the understanding of this God is trying to say you don't have nothing to worry about you've been anointed by my son Jesus Christ you carry the same anointing that Jesus carried you carry the same anointing that crushed the top of his head with the heel of your foot there's so much anointing on the inside of you that when you look at this entity when you look at this demonic imp you're going to say this is what kept me tied up in knots this is what kept me on Prozac, this is what made me lose my mind I'm just trying to tell you, there's a God and he's bigger than the God that you're looking at right now he's God and he's God all by himself spirit of Ananias it's a demonic birth out of the bowels of hell spirit It's a self-promoting, usurping spirit that tries to position itself in the gap between the former move of God and the impending move of God. It's a usurping spirit that's trying to say to the church, we're about to silence you. It's a usurping spirit that's saying to the body of Christ, your day is coming to an end, and my day is about to begin. I just want to flip it. I want to say to every usurping spirit, your day is coming to an end, and our day is about to begin. You ain't seen nothing yet, because by the time God gets through with what he started, there's going to be some rejoicing going on. So in our text, David comes to us. Now watch this. He comes to us. David comes to us. He's come to us as an Old Testament type of Christ. He's an Old Testament picture of Christ. This will be on the screen for you. Adonai represents the spirit of the age. He represents the value system of mainstream culture. That's what Adonai represents. He represents worldly affairs. Solomon comes along, David's son, represents to us a son, a true son. With the heart of the Father. Solomon is the picture of the church. Even though Adoniah was Solomon's older brother, he didn't have the heart of the Father. Just because you're in the house, just because you name the name, don't mean you carry the Father's heart. Just because you show up and worship on cue and say amen when we say say amen don't mean you're carrying the Father's heart. Solomon represents to us a picture of the church. Adonai represents to us a picture of a son that wants to rule with no inheritance because he don't carry the Father's heart. Solomon is carrying the Father's heart. You remember in the studies of Old Testament, David was a man who had a desire to build a, a house for the presence of God. David longed to build a place where the presence of God would dwell. He was tired of the tent ministry. He wanted to build a facade. He wanted to build an edifice. He wanted to build a a facility that would allow the presence of God to dwell. And Solomon comes along because David, his daddy, was a man of war. He was a bloody man. And David was not able to build the throne, to build the house that the throne would sit in. But Solomon comes along, and he says, Dad, don't worry about it. I got your heart. I'm going to build a place of habitation I'm going to build a tabernacle where the glory of God will dwell 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Don't worry about it, Dad. I'm going to carry the legacy of my father to the generation after generation and after generation. It's the heart of a son that has the heart of the father. Please don't get mad at me, but we got a lot of bastards running around. Usurping the anointing trying to position themselves in places that they don't belong because they don't carry the heart of the Father. And can I just say it the way I feel like the Holy Ghost is preaching it right now. There's going to come a day right here in America, sin, sick, flawed America, where the true sons of the faith of God are going to rise up in America and the church of Jesus Christ. There will be a dwelling place where the power and the presence and the hunger for the things of God will overshadow cities and regions and it will begin to take its place in the earth. It's coming, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. That's why I'm not moved by what's going on in Washington. I'm not moved by the fake news, false prophets of Baal. I'm not moved by the media. Listen, I'm just trying to tell you, if you want to get some inspiration, get off your television and get in your Bible. Get in your B-I-B-L-E. That is the book for me. Find out what God is saying. I don't care what man is saying. I want to know what God is saying. Did not Jesus say in Matthew 16, I'm going to build my church? In other words, I'm going to build me a necklace. I'm going to build me a ruling, governing body of believers who've been called out from something else and called into something different. We've been called out from the world and called into this kingdom where there is no defeat. Jesus said, I'm going to build my church. And the church that I build, the gates of Hades, will not be able to overpower it. Can I just tell you something, ladies and gentlemen? The church has survived Rome. The church has survived Nero. The church has survived Pilate and Herod. I just want to tell you, the church will survive our craziness in America because this church cannot be stamped out. This church cannot be squashed, and this church cannot be silent. He said, I'm going to build it. I'm going to build it. I'm gonna, Listen, he said, I'm going to build my church. I'm not going to build your ministry. I'm not going to build your degree. I'm not going to build what you want me to build. I'm going to build me a people that can stand against the gates of hell and not break over it. The battle that's being waged, I'm about, I'm about ready to preach. And my time's running out. The battle that's being waged is over who's going to be in authority. Anytime something begins to emerge, critical moments occur. Every time something is about to be born, there are critical moments. That'll be on the screen. Critical moments occur when something is about to be born. When Moses was being born, there was a movement to kill all the babies. Because God understood that The enemy don't want nobody to come as a deliverer. When Jesus was about to be born, there was a movement to kill all the babies. Hmm. Wonder why we got 60 million murdered babies in America? Because something should be born. At the birthing of something great, There's always critical moments to try to kill it in its infancy. I mean, you ever had a dream or an idea or a word from God and you said it to somebody else and they shot it down? Try to kill it in its infancy. Because the devil understands, the devil knows, that if that thing ever takes root, I can't stop it. There's also critical moments occur when something is about to be developed. When something is being developed, it has to be put into the right Atmosphere. Has to be put into the right environment, around the right people, so that it can develop properly. Because if you get connected with the wrong people, it can take years to work that development out of you. That's why as young families in here that have young kids, you don't bring them to church every now and then. You train them. We go to church every time the doors are open. Got about three good amens right here lost to the rest of I said, when, when you train your kids, because I'm developing my kids in an atmosphere, an environment that says church is essential, not just because our governor said it was, church is essential because God says it is. Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. So, so you, you, listen, you don't train your kids every now and then. How, how would your kids look like if you just disciplined them every now and then? I said, I don't know. That's why. That's why they look like they look like. That's why you got to threaten them in Walmart. If you don't shut up, I'm going <laughs> to you You got to train them. You got to put your kids in the right environment. And I know this is going to go against the grain with some of y'all, but you got to train your kids how to take instructions from somebody other than you, you've got to put them in an environment where they understand and respect authority, the reason why people don't respect authority now is because they don't respect their parents, when you don't respect parental authority, you're not going to respect police authority, <laughs> then you're going to be singing the song, bad boy, bad boy, what you going to do when they come for you, go to jail, Critical moments occur when something is about to be established. When something is coming into its place of authority, or the way I like to say it, into its place of dominion, there's a battle that begins to wage war in that gap because something is about to be established. that's, That's why when you feel the resistance in your life, you have to ask is there something being born? Is there something being developed or is there something about to be established? If it's being born, then you have to hide it. Come on, Moses. You have to protect it. Come on, Jesus. You have to nurture it. If it's being developed, then you have to mentor it. You have to father it. You have to surround it with the right amount of people that put the right environment in their life. If it's being established, then it needs to be transference of wisdom and understanding. Gathering of people around you that understand the strength when it's about to be established and what God is doing. This will be on the screen for you today. The battle gets intensified at the moment of establishment when something is about to be set. Mm. How many's felt the intensity of the battle? Ooh, you thought 2020 was rough. You better buckle your seatbelt a little bit tighter because the church is about to go through some real bad turbulence. But at the end of the turbulence, we're going to find out that there is a God who rides. There is a God who sits high and he looks low. I don't know where we got this theology of this mandy-pandy Christians that don't want to engage in warfare, that don't want to stand for nothing, that don't want to fight for anything. Ladies and gentlemen, you are in the middle of a war. This ain't time to go a wall. This ain't time to check out. This ain't time to go hide and seek. This is a time to put your foot down and above all else, take your stand and stand in the things of God battle that comes of trying to keep you from getting to your next place in God. If you're in warfare now, please don't misunderstand what I'm about to say. Good. Good. Because you have to learn how to stand. Because if you don't stand, the generation coming behind us is at jeopardy. have to learn how to stand in the midst of the chaos, stand in the midst of the confusion, stand in the midst of I don't know what's going on, but know we've got a word from God. I've got a word from God that God laughs at the counsel of the wicked, and God will sit and redeem and move us to a place of victory. Yes, he will. Yes, he will. I need to hurry. It's 12 o'clock. Pastor Porter. You might as well come on. I won't have to quit. Is this all right? We'll have to get next week. That's why instead of, I was always amazed. Let me say it this way I was always amazed at my mom growing up. Because in the middle of the battles of life that she was facing, I never saw my mom break down. I never saw my mom give up on God. I'm not saying she didn't, she just didn't show it. I don't think she did. She got too much German in her. She commanded us. She's part of Hitler's army. She just like, we're going to believe God. I never saw my mom have a breakdown. I'm not saying she didn't, I just never saw it. I saw my mom stand in the faces of adversity. I saw my mom pray and cry out to God when we needed healing in our families, when we didn't have no food in the house to put food on the table, I saw my mom pray and just believe God, I saw my mom one day, I was just, I think I was around 13 or 14 years old, there was a tornado that was coming up behind our house, I could see the funnel cloud coming down, and my mom steps out the back door like Superwoman, just slings open the back door, and she says, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus, go back up from where you came, and I watched the tornado spiral back up and disappear. I thought, my God, if she can do that to a tornado, I ain't saying nothing. We live in a day now where nobody wants to stand. Nobody wants to persevere. We just want this easy Christian. We just want it to be easy. We just want it to be like the America that we had. We just want it easy. Can I tell you, those days are over. Easy days are over. Easy days are over. But greater victory days are ahead of us. But we got to be people that know how to fight. Got to be people that know how to get a word and hang on to it. Come hell or high water, sink or swim, live or die. I'm hanging on to that word. Why then does Adonai reign? Could it be that it's just a test of your endurance? Could it be that God is just shaking the earth so much that it looks like evil is being promoted so that the church can stand in its place? There's uh, I'll read it to you and then we'll quit. But instead of having a meltdown in the battles of your life, I think we need to learn how to find some joy. That's right. <laughs> Anybody that knows me off the pulpit knows that I love to cut up. I love to laugh. I love the joke. I love it. In fact, you get around my house long enough, I'm gonna scare you. I'm gonna put an ugly mask on and I'm gonna scare you. Because I just wanna see you jump and holler. I love the joke. My grandkids have all been scared out of their skin. Got that from my mom too. But just using that as an analogy, when my mom was raising us three boys, she didn't have time to have a meltdown. She didn't have time to lose her mind because she still had to get up and go to work and raise three boys. Didn't have time to check out. Didn't have time to take a leave of absence. If nothing else, she she wasn't trying to save the world. She was just after the salvation of her boys. The battle gets intensified when something is about to be said. I want to end with this. Dutch Sheets, in his book, The Way Back, he recites an address that George Washington was given to the Continental Army on August the 27th in 1776. In his book, My Way Back, he recites it. You can Google it. It's right there. You can find it. It's not hard to find. But George Washington stands in front of that Continental Army in 1776 at the Battle of Long Island right there, right in the days of the Revolutionary War. And this is what George Washington said. He said the time is now near at hand, which must probably be determined whether Americans are to be free men or slaves, whether they are to have any property they can call their own, whether their houses and farms are to be pillaged and destroyed and themselves confined to a state of wretchedness from which no efforts, human efforts, will deliver them. He said the fate of unborn millions will depend will now depend under God and on the courage and the conduct of this army. Our cruel and unrelenting enemy leaves us only the choice of brave resistance or the most abject submission. We have therefore to resolve to conquer or die. Boy, can you not just throw that into spiritual terms. Here we stand in our 1776 fighting for the welfare of unborn millions and we can either conquer or die we can be pillaged by an unrelenting enemy or we can stand our ground and we can see the salvation of our God and we can see the powers of hell overturned Because why does Adonai reign when Solomon should be established on the throne room? I just came to tell somebody today, Adaniah is not going to reign in your life. The spirit of Adoniah is not going to have his place for long in your life because there is an army that's rising. There's a people that's rising under the drumbeat of heaven and we declare we shall see the victory of the Lord. Come on, get on your feet if you believe God is saying something to you. Hallelujah. Come on and just begin to magnify him for a moment. Come on, just begin to magnify We magnify you, Jesus. You're our conquering king. You're our conquering king. Oh, there's nothing too hard for you, Jesus. There's nothing too hard for you. We've been established by God. is far more than a presidential election. What's at stake is the welfare of a nation. Because the way I see it, president's come and go in four years, eight years at best. I don't have a problem with any of that. But what I do have a problem with is when a nation is being turned towards evil. That's what I have a problem with. And there's so much evil And it's not just in Washington. Y'all know it. All the big tech companies, they're censoring your voice. They'll let jihadists say what they want to say. They'll let communist parties say what they want to say. But you as a believer say something and watch it. You'll get fact-checked and you'll get censored. Because you know why? They're coming after your voice. You can blame it on politics and you can blame it. I'm telling you, it's a spirit. It's an Adonaiya spirit that says, I'm going to silence the voice of the church because once the voice of the church becomes silent in America, there is no America. There is none. There is none. I feel like I, I, I'm here to shake us up, to realize that this battle is going to be intense, but we are anointed to overcome the intensity of the fight. Anointed for this, something's being born, something's being developed, something's being established. I'm fighting for it. And what? I'm not just. If they can, if they can censor, silence the president of the known free world, you ain't nothing. I ain't nothing. Just you, that? That's the severity of the fight. It's the severity of it. And when it gets like this, because we're in the gap, we're in the gap between what God did and what God's about to do. We're in this gap. Yes. And in this gap, there's a usurping spirit rising. It's, try, it's trying to rise. but we as the people of God have to squash it. The people of your voice needs to become louder. And louder and louder. When the attacks come, I hold to the promises of God. I've been praying this prayer. I God, I'm like Moses and the children of Israel. Like, God, don't let them overcome us. Don't let them make fun of your name. We're only out here because you delivered us. Don't let them make fun of you, God. Don't let, them, don't, don't let the enemies rejoice over you. Don't make, God will not be mocked. That's right. But the only license he has, I know he's sovereign, he can do whatever he wants to do. I'm not taking that away. But really, the reality of heaven gets released through people in the earth. That's right, that's right. The reality of heaven gets released through God's people. Yes. So we're standing. My wife already prayed, squashing the spirit of fear. I'm not fearful because I know who's in my court. Yes. Come on. I know the king that I'm serving. Right. I'm not moved. I'm telling you, I'm not moved. I am not moved by what is going on in our world. I'm not moved by it. I'm holding my line. I'm declaring, I'm de- I got grandkids. I'm declaring to my grandkids, you're going to be tall to the Lord and great shall your peace. You're not going to grow up in a communistic, yeah. socialistic country holding the line. Come on, lift your hands, Father. All over this building, there are men and women. Men and women. We're in the battle of our life. We're in the throes of darkness. Deep darkness. We're in it. God, I pray this morning over your people. I pray for the spirit of courage to rise. God, let courage rise among your people. Let an earth-shaking faith rise on the inside of us today to every enemy that we know is squashed, every perpetrating spirit that's come against our families, that's come against our physical bodies, that's coming against our marriage, that's coming against our jobs, our businesses. Every lion's spirit, every spirit birthed out of the bowels of hell. Lord, we crush it today because we've been anointed. We have an anointing from the Holy One. And God, we just declare today that we are the people of God. And we speak over this house. We speak over this community. We speak over this state. We speak over this nation. We will rise and see the goodness of the Lord even in the land of the living. We will see the power of God. Father, we just declare, we declare, we declare what we believe. And we thank you today. We thank you today that the spirit of Adoniah will be broken. The spirit of Adoniah will be crushed. And the people of God will move into liberty. And Lord, this is going to be a crazy prayer, but I felt God say it to me. Lord, I release the spirit of joy. Lord, I just release the spirit of laughter. I release the spirit of having fun, enjoying the King, enjoying our King, enjoying His presence, enjoying His peace, enjoying His mercy. God, we break the veil of darkness. We break the veil of silence, and we will laugh, and we will carry on, and we will rejoice. Hallelujah. Hallelujah! 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 We were like those who dreamed a dream, but then the Lord turned the captivity of Zion, and we were those whose mouth was filled with laughter. There will be laughter in the house of God. We break the clutch of darkness. We break the spell of Jezebel. We break its grip. Release freedom. Come on, turn to somebody and tell them you got to laugh. You got to laugh. You got to laugh. Tell them you got to laugh. You got to enjoy God again. Enjoy God. heavens, and he laughs. (laughs) If he's going to laugh, I might as well laugh with him. (laughs) Hallelujah. Some of y'all still ain't broken yet. That's why you look like you look. You need to laugh. You need to laugh. You need to at least smile. Begin somewhere. It's going to be a rough road, but it's going to be a happy road. You watch. You watch the miracles and the signs and the wonders. You watch the power of God begin to explode in your home and over your house. Hallelujah. (laughs) I want to help somebody here. I'm not going to look at you because I don't want you to think I'm talking to you. Here's an exercise. When you go to bed tonight, put a coat hanger in your mouth. So when you wake up, you got a smile on your face because you need to laugh. You are in serious problems right now because you think the devil is getting the upper hand, and I'm here to tell you, the devil is not going to get the upper hand. The devil is not going to win. Not going to win. Not going to (laughs) win. Oh, my Lord. I don't do it like that God has to do something to me But I I looked at myself in the mirror And I just started laughing I just started laughing (laughs) You have believed enough lies (laughs) As a preacher I I had to learn how to preach to myself in the mirror And I heard what I was saying And I was saying, that ain't God. That ain't the God I serve. And I just had to laugh. (laughs) Ha, ha, ha. The devil is a lie. Just trying to lighten it up in this house. We're going to be as free as we've ever been. I almost called today Party Sunday. Party Sunday. Because you don't need to walk out of here defeated thinking, oh, my Lord, what's going to go? No, you need to walk out here like you know God's got this thing in the bag. God's got this thing wrapped up. He's still God. Yes. He's still God. Yes, yes. I want to pray. I know Jason Williams' mom is in the hospital fighting COVID and all kind of stuff in her body. We believe anybody that's connected to us cannot stay in sickness and disease. Ah. well, I felt that his his brother John has also had heart surgery and there's other people we had some people that that got family members that are going through some real traumatic times we just believe that the power of God is moving Ah. come on, come on let's just pray the power of God is moving hallelujah Lord we send your word we send it into hospital rooms we send it into places where people can't get in but Lord your word is not bound your word is not imprisoned your word is not chained but your word is alive your word is free and your word is working so father we speak over bodies lord we speak over COVID 19. we curse you at your roots we curse you at your beginnings we break your grip and we break your power and we dry you up out of the people's lives today in jesus name lord we declare for healing we declare for healing to flow For there be a surge of healing. We cancel the assignment of COVID-19. We cancel its influence. We cancel its effect. In the name of Jesus, you sent your word and you healed us. Lord, we will not live in fear with COVID-19. We have power over it. We have authority over it. We will not be subject to it. not live in fear. Lord we thank you today for the power for the power that moves in people's hearts and lives for healing that flows Lord we declare that now and we thank you for it in Jesus name in Jesus name in Jesus name and everybody together said amen 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 amen. come on high five about three people and tell them high five three people and tell them Adonai ain't gonna last long Adonai ain't gonna last long ain't gonna last long ain't gonna last long Father, bless your people. Command health and prosperity, protection and guidance over every level of their life. We thank you for it today in Jesus' name. Amen and amen, amen. God bless you. We love you. Have an amazing afternoon. We'll see you next Sunday, Tuesday.